Greetings and welcome to season two, episode 24 of the Harmonious Living Podcast with your host, Niamma. And I'm so excited to bring this next special guest to you today. And every guest that I have on the program is special. And this next young lady I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, and I'm so glad that our paths have connected. I'm introducing to you Mo Hansji. Mo is South African born, living in California, and is passionate about helping to lift women out of poverty. She's the founder of Women Enabled Enterprises, a nonprofit that helps women of color in South Africa learn business skills that help them to grow their businesses so that they can create employment and sustainability in their community. She also facilitates Shop Consciously, their fair trade brand, which amplifies the work of the women from their program. Prior to founding Shop Consciously and Women Enabled Enterprises, she had a 10-year career in retail and e-commerce. I cannot wait for y'all to hear from Mo. Stay tuned. This episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast is sponsored by Harmonic Soul Wellness. Give yourself the gift of good health by joining our 90 Days to Wellness plant-based eating program. Learn how to navigate the holidays and prepare healthier versions of your favorite foods. Find us on the web at HarmonicSoulWellness.com or contact us at 619-752-752. 0462. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast. I'm your host, Niamma, and I'm so excited to introduce to you today's special guest. I always say my guests are special, and today is no different. And I'm joined by Mo Hansji. Hi, Mo. Hi, Niamma. It is an absolute honor being here with you today. Thank you so much. So first of all, what does your name mean? I love that question. (laughs) Um, So I go by Mo here, but the way that it's actually pronounced, it is a South African name and it's pronounced Mpo. And it means gift from God. Mm. That's actually a very common name in South Africa, but it means gift. Um, But the deep, deep meaning is gift from God. I love it. (laughs) And that's what I want to call you. Oh my gosh. And (laughs) I, I had a feeling because I know that oftentimes when people come to the States and when, um, people have difficulty with saying your name properly, it's people take on the idea, well, it's just easier to just give people something (laughs) that they can say that, you know, then that way you don't have to be correcting people all the time or just hearing people butcher your name. So, but I love the power in your name, the way it's actually said. So. Oh, thank you. So you mentioned you're from South Africa. So tell everybody a little bit about your background, where you're from and how you began your wellness journey. 
Absolutely. So I'm originally from South Africa, born and raised. Um, my husband and I moved out here for a really wonderful, supposedly, supposedly um, temporary opportunity, which turned into a life here, which we're really so happy about. Um, and I just have to say, you know, growing up in South Africa, we definitely lived on the staples. Um, I will definitely say in terms of um, wellness, like we did everything. Um, we did the best we could with what we knew. Um, but I think that, you know, I definitely didn't grow up learning about like what foods are really good for what good, what foods fuel my body. Um, what foods make me feel my best. I don't even think I really knew very much about um, how much food impacts, you know, everything about what you do and how you live. So I'm grateful that I think the health journey starts all the way from, from back then is that you, you do the best with what you have. Um, but once you know better, you, you do better. Um, so in South Africa, I was, I was raised by my single mama. She was a strong, powerful woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had her own, um, dental surgery where she just helped low income communities have a dentist that looked like them, which was very uncommon in South Africa. If you know anything about our history. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, grew up with a single mom. She was absolutely powerful. She started me out in business, honestly, just watching her um, not even just succeed, but all of the things that, you know, if anyone has a business, you know that there's ebbs and flows, there's ups and downs. And I was, I feel like I had the honor of watching her in her entrepreneurial journey. And I remember one of my best entrepreneurial memories. And to this day, I feel like I need to do something like this with my kids. But um, my mom mailed out these Christmas cards for her dental patients. And I mean, it was hundreds and hundreds of cards. So my brother and I would stick them in the envelopes. We'd lick the envelope. <laughs> and by the end of a couple of hours, I mean, we were so sick of licking envelopes. Oh but goodness. it just goes to show you that, um, you know, our kids are always watching and, um, you know, it's almost like she just showed me, you know, in business, like you're appreciative of the people that make your business, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that was us. And I will say I met my husband in university. Um, we both went to a really amazing university, actually was the top in the African continent called University of Cape Town. And we fell in love like hard <laughs> um, and young. I was 23, he was 24. Um, he's in finance, I studied psychology and we got married pretty young as well because um, we knew what we wanted. And an opportunity came up for him about one year after we got married and it was an opportunity to come to the US for 18 months. And we thought we're young. We'd love to see some of the world. Why on earth not? Mm -hmm. So we did the leap. We had absolutely zero family here. And I think that this was part of both of the journeys. You know, you talked about like wellness. It was noticing different things. And please, can we talk more about this later? Yes. But 
food differences when you grow up in a third world country versus food differences when you grow up here. Here, I, I'm going to leave it here and I'm going to pass back to you. But my biggest thing that I noticed was back home, my husband and I, just the two of us with a loaf of bread and milk, a carton of milk would expire. We could not go through a carton of milk and bread before it expired. So my assumption is significantly less preservatives in typical foods that people eat. Mm-hmm. When we came over here, we could not believe how long bread and milk last. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. And something so simple that we think of like a staple that, yeah, it's like, there are so many preservatives and additives in the food supply to allow maximum time, maximum shelf life um, before things are consumed. So I, I find that so interesting that you were getting technically a cleaner version of something, um, even though, you know, people might have a tendency to look askance and say, oh, that's from, you know, this quote unquote, third world, third world country. So, wow, that's very fascinating. And you know what? I I think one of the things we also learned is that the supply chain is shorter Mm. in third world countries that are smaller, like things are quite regional. The regional farmers supply the local um, grocery stores. So it, it isn't flying from very far. <laughs> and that's actually ideal. <laughs> that's actually ideal. Yeah. Having things, you know, and now it's kind of like more a trendy thing where, you know, being able to shop local and, you know, supporting farmers markets and things like that. And farm to table is absolutely a trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so funny how the way that it technically should be, you know, I don't like to use the word should, except for certain instances where it's really appropriate. So it's like, yeah, that is something that should be the case where we get things that aren't traveling from so many miles. But you know, that that speaks a lot to our consumerism and our expectations as far as what we should be able to have access to, right? Especially in California, um, where we can have certain produce year round, even if it's not in season because it's being brought from all these places. But we don't really oftentimes think about what all goes into it in order Mm. for that item to make it from wherever it's grown all the way here to California, you know, for it to um, still be semi-fresh on the way, whether it's gas or, you know, freezing in, um, uh, you know, the trucks or shipping trucks or however things are are brought here. So that you raise such an important point. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. Differences. It's fascinating to just notice these things and learn them as we, as we get older, you know, as we grow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I just absolutely love the fact that you had as a model, 
your mom being of service in the way that she was in, in her entrepreneurial ventures. And I'm sure that that influence spilled over today into your business. So talk about how you uh, came to found a nonprofit organization. Absolutely. So, you know, um, going into college, I did want to study psychology. That was definitely something I wanted to do. Um, so I wanted to be of service, but I wasn't sure in what area. Mm -hmm. And I think what I learned about psychology is that um, um, I think that what the focus that didn't work with me was that it felt too finite, you know, it felt too finite for me and I needed more room because I'm very creative in my nature. So growing up in South Africa, noticing a, a problem that always bothered my heart was that even though I grew up with what I needed, there were so many people not that far from me, maybe even in the next zip code that had little to nothing. Mm -hmm. um, going to good schools and knowing that in the next zip code, there were kids that walked miles to very different schools. And sometimes they didn't even have the shoes that they needed. Um, that bothered me. It wasn't enough for me to have everything I needed. I knew that I had to do something about helping other people have what they need as well. So this was something that as a young adult, I didn't know what the solve was for it, but I knew I wanted to get involved in not just advocacy, but actually executing programs that helped create a livelihood for people, mm -hmm. not handouts. Mm -hmm. um, I volunteered at this nonprofit called Women's Initiative. They do not exist anymore. And it breaks my heart every time I have to say that. They were a Bay Area, um, San Francisco Bay Area nonprofit that had been around about 30 years. I volunteered there when I came to the U.S. Incredible organization that was help that were helping um, immigrants, immigrant women. Some of them could not speak English. Um, some of them could. Each of them literally had what they had on their backs. There were women that they helped that had been trafficked for years. Mm. And basically what they did was they taught these women a basic skill set that they could use, or maybe they already had a skill set and they taught them basic business skills to use their skill set to create a livelihood for themselves here. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was a really powerful business model because what you were doing is you were teaching a man to fish and everyone has heard that phrase mm -hmm. is we can feel really sor sorry for people in poverty. We could give, and I'm a, as a nonprofit founder, I am grateful for generous donors. So incredibly grateful because our work would only exist because of them. But I will say in terms of a model that helps people create sustainability, that appealed to me. And I knew that that was something I could easily replicate mm -hmm. in the country that I was from with our unique challenges. So at the ripe age of 23, I found my life's purpose. And I, people used to think it was such a lame thing to say, but you know, when you catch it, when you catch your purpose and you just caught it and you know, it's it. And you know that this is the thing you were created to do 
you're called to do, and you know you need to step into your purpose when the time comes and when the time's right and when it all aligns. Mm-hmm. Um, as a young 23-year-old, I thought it was back then. Um, the cards didn't line up then. I had very little work experience. I was barely a leader. Um, so I continued volunteering until the nonprofit shut down as a result of a lack of funding. By the way, after 30 years serving over 20,000 women entrepreneurs, and by the way, some of the best restaurants you'll eat at in the San Francisco mission are women who graduated this, that program. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. So, you know, um, anyone out there listening, if you donate to an organization that you're passionate about, just consider not doing once-off donations. Consider sustaining the work, even if it's in a very small way, because you want the work to continue. And the only way the work continues is if as a society, we decide to invest in the things that we care about. Um, so that's kind of where it all started, Niema. And I did not start a nonprofit then, but I knew that I was going to. And I went into corporate retail. Um, it was kind of the area that I had, I'd been in branding before. Um, I, you know, I worked at Target as a as an, a store manager, and that really helped to shape how I see retail. And it was a valuable, valuable skill set that I learned over there. Definitely learned how to lead people. Um, then I moved over to, um, I'm sure you know, this company, Ross. I, I used to work for the corporate office. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I learned um, so much around what makes retail companies profitable. And my entire job was to assess what was working in which regions and why. Um, so it was really interesting work, you know, when you're looking at bras and sizing <laughs> or dresses and uh, patterns and mo- motifs and silhouettes. Um, it's really interesting to tie that to profitability. So now when I get to work with the women that I get to work with, I am the most excited to get my nails dirty in what is working and not working for them. And how can we create more profitability in their businesses so that they can be amplified so that they can create jobs in their communities and help uplift the entire South African um, community. Um, So in a very, very short um, kind of description, what we do um, a few years after my corporate job, um, I worked in a couple other e-commerce, big Fortune 500 brands. I was a buyer for Gap at some point for Gap Online. So if you ever bought accessories and shoes, from Gap Online, maybe over three years ago, um, I was responsible for that assortment. Wow. And it was fun, fascinating work, but I knew that it wasn't, I knew shortly after that stint that it was time for the next move. And that's when I built out Women, um, Women Enabled Enterprises. That is my nonprofit. Uh, we were founded in 2020. We actually failed to launch in 2019. Um, when the world was not ready for a virtual, um, not the world, my region of the world, South Africa (laughs) was not ready for a virtual training um, or community platform. Um, We just failed to attract people. And there were many reasons, um, both on our side, but I think as a community, 
they were not receptive. They needed, well, they said they really needed in-person, um, in-person engagement. Mm-hmm. So we failed to launch 2019. And then early in 2020, we relaunched in the midst of the pandemic and the doors swung wide open. And I'm so grateful for that. So, you know, we've been able uh, to do such remarkable work um, for low-income women. Um, We've served almost 200 women now who those women have each created almost 300 jobs in their communities. So when you talk about like sustainability and like lifting up communities and you know, when you give a woman a little bit of an opportunity, they take that and they amplify it for their children and their children's children and their moms and their aunts and their whole household. Um, that's, that's the kind of work I feel so lucky to get to do. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is so inspiring. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so proud of you. And um, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that ripple effect, the power of the ripple effect. Stay tuned, everybody. Tune into you and make 2022 the year of healthy living with the 30 Days to Healthy Living program. Starting January 3rd, get ready to eat clean, increase energy, feel fit, manage your weight, all in a supportive community. And for a limited time, get Be Well Greens, Gut Health Prebiotic Fiber, and Clean Tox Gentle Cleanse, all for the same price. For more details, take a look at the show notes. And welcome back, everyone. So right before the break, Mo was telling us about how she, through the work that she's done with her nonprofit, has impacted so many lives already. And this is only the beginning. And I'm just beyond amazed about it. And so let's talk about that, how one timing being everything, because, you know, as we know, a lot of people would not have considered doing things a certain way until the pandemic caused us to open our minds to doing things in a different way. And now we've been able to reach people everywhere because of the fact that we're using technology and we're not um, we're not restrained or confined by where we can get to physically. So talk about the, the ripple effect of the work that you've been doing with the women that you're dealing with. And you talked about when we were on break about it feeling surreal. Yeah, it does. You know, it's so funny. Um, I, I'm thinking of when uh, I was learning how to drive and uh, the driving instructor would say, I had this habit of looking right at where the car was when I needed to make a turn. <laughs> and he's like, "It's you're too close to it. Like you have to look farther out. And it, it made it easier to move 
the car around. I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you look at the car next to you while you're driving, it feels like you're about to crash into them, but it's like your view. You have to just look out. And that's how I feel with the work that we've been able to do is that we're so close to it that sometimes um, we don't take a moment to just take a step back and see um, what we've been able to create. And gosh, you know, closing out this year, um, I'm sure some of the listeners know November 30th was Giving Tuesday. And that's a really massive day and build up for nonprofits globally. And not only is it a day for people to, as consumers, to decide where they want to put their money about the causes that they care about, but more importantly, it's a time for nonprofits to take a look back at what they've been able to do. Mm. Um, and we were able to do that this year. And I just am astounded by how far um, the, the benefits of what our recipients have gotten, how far it went. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said ripple effect because our goal, um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Bloomberg named um, South Africa the highest unemployed um, country in the entire world. We're actually at 34, um, 34% unemployment rate. And um, the very first question that I get from most people is, it must be because of the pandemic. Pandemic has made it worse, but we've always been a country with very high unemployment. We've actually never dropped, we've not dropped down past 20% in many, many years. Mm. So I think the, the heart of the work we do, uh, we always talk about like our mission. Yes, we help empower low-income women through entrepreneurship. But the reason why we do that is because employment, entrepreneurship is a form of employment. So not only um, is a woman securing a job for herself, when she starts and decides to grow a sustainable business, but she's actually able to be an employer, mm -hmm. which is even more powerful. Yes. And that's kind of the women we work with, you know, we always talk about, yes, they're beneficiaries of our nonprofit. They are amazing. Mm -hmm. They are remarkable women. There's a woman we work with. Her name is Heidi. She takes technology to rural areas where they do not have access to internet. And she actually helps um, rural students apply for scholarships and for university, uh, for their university application. And she has a whole team. They actually travel physically to rural wow. areas across the country. They've helped so many students get scholarships to incredible universities in South Africa. They've helped so many kids get into um, schools they never dreamt they could get into, wow. all because they're trying to create accessibility. So to me, like getting the joy of having Khadi in our Q1 and getting to show her a different way to do business that'll help to amplify the work she's doing. We're not just amplifying Khadi. Like we amplify Heidi, we amplify her team of, by the way, 10. Wow. 10 other people in her business. And on top of that, every single student that she's been able to serve, and the goal is to grow her capacity so she can serve even more students. Mm. 
So I just, I just feel lucky to be, I feel like a vessel, you know? (laughs) Yes. That's so beautiful. And, you know, getting back to what you touched on about that phrase about teach a man to fish, but, you know, women, the impact that we have is not just the woman herself, but like you said, it is the children. It's impacting generations potentially. And so I just absolutely love that because, you know, we... (laughs) when we rely on people for jobs and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having jobs. Jobs Mm -hmm. can be um, great foundations for supporting other ventures. And, you know, not everybody wants to be in business, but for those who are open to the experience of entrepreneurship and who have that desire to take the knowledge that they gain from that and be leaders in their circle, in their community. I mean, it's just, again, it's like that pebble going into the water and we don't even know how many lives can potentially be touched by that one person, by that one impact. It's so powerful. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm just, (laughs) I want to hear more. I want to hear more (laughs) about the the I just, you know, what's so, um, what's astounding is how everybody has a gift, you know, every single person has a gift. And sometimes, um, people don't even see it. Niamh, it's so crazy. But some of the women that we begin working with don't even consider themselves entrepreneurs. They just think they sell something. Mm. Some of them don't even think they're entrepreneurs, which is so crazy to me. Yeah. Well, you know, we oftentimes don't give ourselves credit or we don't, um, elevate ourselves or toot our own horns. And sometimes it's just because not necessarily that we're being so modest or humble, but it's just like, that's just what I do. So, you know, we don't, (laughs) we don't make a big deal out of it because like, that's just what I do, you know? And then other people might come to us and say, oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) Or, you know, but we, you know, sometimes we're so used to that living, living a certain way that it doesn't occur to us that other people don't see things the same way. Mm. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about how other people see things, because I feel like, um, as leaders, we have a responsibility to help people see themselves. Yes. Um, in their true, like elevated, badass. Yes nature that they already are. Yes. Um, it's almost like just being that person holding up the mirror saying, look at this. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. You yeah. are incredible. Exactly. You're capable of remarkable things. Yes. Like girl, do you not see what I see? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Well, I think this is a great time for us to take a break. And when we come back, I want to hear more about 
your experiences growing up in South Africa and just the whole immigrant experience and what it's been like for you coming to this country as a Black woman and coming from South Africa <laughs> to the U.S. So stay tuned, everybody. And welcome back, everyone. So before the break, and first of all, let me just say this conversation is just so rich and I'm absolutely loving learning all the stories. And I know there are like hundreds of stories of the women that you've worked with, but I'm curious to hear about your experiences coming to the U.S. And I hear so many different stories from people immigrating to this country. And what were some of the biggest things that stood out to you, aside from the food that you mentioned in the beginning, um, that you noticed were felt so different when you came to the U.S. as opposed to being in South Africa? Absolutely. And so much so much was different. It was, um, I think one of the biggest things I'll say is, you know, coming from a country, so background for anyone who doesn't know, like the South African um, kind of uh, racial background is, um, we had apartheid growing up and basically that was, um, uh, segregation. It was like legal segregation and um, white people and black people could not live in the same zones. Um, and it was legal. They couldn't even work in the same zones or anything like that. And it was all over the country until, I mean, even when I was born, I'm, a, I'm born in 1987. And that was, it was still legal, legal then. I was actually seven years old when um, Mandela took the stage as the president and was um, inaugurated and I was in the crowd in Pretoria. Wow. Um, so it isn't that long ago. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm 34. So mm -hmm. um, it wasn't that long ago. So what I will say is coming from a country that really is in its infancy in some very like intense um, racial tensions, I am not a stranger to, um, you know, some of the things that um, came up in a big way here in the U.S. in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't, now obviously we moved here 10 years ago and that it, it was not, not like there, there wasn't any kind of a uprising or anything like that when we came over. But I think one thing that I did notice was that it's interesting to me that no matter kind of where you are in the world, that it is the same, but different. Like, <laughs> like you know, it seems different, but, you know, around the world, we kind of experience, like, experience kind of the same issues. So I, I know that back home, I have a lot of friends who would say there probably is net, no racism in the U.S. And they just assume that because, you know, maybe politically things are very different or whatever, all whatever the different assumptions are. So when we came, it was just learning from other people's experience as well as some of our own, that it's the same yet different. There's like, there is a commonality about like some of the global issues. And um, the other thing that we did notice, and again, like this is like the nonprofit 
heart in me is as much as there definitely are issues, I do not want to, um, I do not want to say that there, there is no poverty. There is poverty here in the U.S. There are places that, that need significant help, um, because of systemic things that have happened. But one of the things we noticed, my husband and I, this is, we feel like this is a bit of a funny story, but also it's a serious story. We probably had been here for less than a month and we were somewhere around San Jose. We had stopped at a light. We saw a homeless person and we weren't even sure if it was a homeless person, but they did have a board and they said they were homeless. And he was wearing, um, I'll never forget this. It was either a Hurley sweatshirt or a, basically like one of those surfer brands. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing a surfer brand sweatshirt and branded shoes. They did not look new, obviously. Like he could have gotten them from Goodwill. I don't know the backstory. So mm-hmm. much respect here. But I think what was really glaringly different for us is that poverty here looks extraordinarily different. And I know that that was only one face of poverty. It wasn't, it does not represent every face here in the U.S. But homeless in South Africa, um, predominantly, first of all, are children. Mm. And a lot of them are on drugs to stay warm. Um, adults or children who are homeless. I mean, it's like you, I mean, it's like rags. Like they, they don't, um, I think what I want to say is there are res- there, they, we have better resources to help people here. So for instance, like, I feel like the homeless have more resources to take care of themselves. Like we don't have stipends for homeless people in South Africa. Um, There's all kinds of things. So when I think about accessibility to secondhand clothing, Mm -hmm. not accessible, not Mm -hmm. very accessible, not easily accessible for most of the homeless population. So I think we just were so shocked that someone who doesn't have a home would have a branded sweatshirt and branded shoes um, and that's a, a like a props to the U.S. because there are resources that are being given to some people who need them. Um, but I just think that in other parts of the world, it is the dire level of it is so different. Mm. So the nonprofitess in me um, really struggled. You know, like I'll I'll share something very very vulnerable right now. Um, comparing South Africa to the U.S. is I have so much love for um, this incredible country and the resources that are available here, but I have a very hard time making a donation to a U.S.-based or a U.S.-serving nonprofit organization only because I come from a place where there is still so much more of a need So I feel like every dime I have is like, that's where it's invested. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a vulnerable thing to share, but, you know, and I, I, I love that everyone has a different thing calling on their heart. So props to anyone who supports us-based organizations. I know nutrition here is a big deal. Um, 
So yeah, it's just, that's a conflict for me. It's a big, hard conflict for me. Yeah. And I can understand that, you know, um, because it is a relative thing and, you know, in this country and, and don't get me wrong because suffering is suffering wherever it's happening. Right. Yeah. And, but you know, Bob Marley has a line in the song. He says, every man think that his burden is the heaviest. So people here, you know, um, in comparison to what's available as far as safety nets, you know, we, we just, we're far removed. We don't have a concept of how poverty looks and feels in other places, you know, um, as bad as it looks <laughs> to us here, you know? And so um, the fact that you have seen that firsthand, you know, I don't fault you at all for wanting to do whatever you can that's on your heart to do to serve that need. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. Ooh, truly amazing. <laughs> so it's interesting also just kind of tacking back to what you mentioned in the beginning about, you know, having the breadcrumbs. So starting out as a volunteer and feeling at age 23 that you had found your purpose because for so many people, it takes so much longer. And there are so many people out there way older than you who are still trying to figure it out or who may start out in one direction and then realize that there's this other thing mm. that's you know pulling their soul. So um, I think it's really a, an amazing blessing that you got that calling on you at the time that you did. Oh yeah. I do feel, I do feel really blessed. No, I, I definitely feel really blessed because, you know, um, I feel like Niema because you're so incredibly in touch with yourself and your surroundings, um, and people. It's hard when you feel like you have a beckoning in your heart and you don't know what it is or you feel unsettled mm -hmm. when you when you don't know what the direction is mm -hmm. um it just feels like nothing fits you know yeah yeah i <laughs> it's like and it won't go away you know <laughs> certain things is just like you're being pulled you know you're being led and um you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, I was having a conversation earlier with someone about breadcrumbs, you know, that mm -hmm. there are these things that will come up in our experience that will get us closer and closer. And it might not be the thing, but it's, you know, it's a signpost. It's something along the journey. And, you know, and at the end of the day, it's not that we're getting to a set destination. It's like, this is all part of the journey you know, and all the different iterations that we take mm. um, are all parts of that journey. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, I, my ears totally perked up when you said when people are trying to find their calling and they do one thing and then, you know, they pivot and they have to end up doing something else or it leads them in a different direction. Um, I just think about, you know, if I, 
quit when we failed to launch, that would have been easy. I would have said, well, a virtual platform is not going to work. This community isn't ready for it or is not receptive to it and completely move on to something else. And um, I'm really grateful I didn't, but also in following the breadcrumbs, which is like so important. I love that you said that is um, I didn't get to talk about this, but it seems like the perfect lead in because um, our nonprofit has been around now since 2020, the beginning of 2020. And we followed a little breadcrumb in the early stages of 2021. And we decided that we cannot teach women to find their own self-sustainability if us as a nonprofit organization, like I have to talk about this again, the nonprofit I volunteered at years ago stopped having impact because as a society, we could no longer fund it. So the work stopped. And as a nonprofit founder, I am determined to never let that be something that happens to us. Mm-hmm. So it is so important to me that we find pockets of our own sustainability. And when we were searching for that early this year and towards the end of last year, um, we happened upon something upon something else. And all of these wonderful things started to connect and we knew what it was, is that 75% of the women we serve have product-based businesses. Um, Their products are remarkable. Mm. Um, And we thought, well, I'm based in the US. I have a retail expertise, both e-commerce and brick and mortar. I literally used to assess and buy women's products. (laughs) And that just seemed like a natural next step that we're going to have one more baby. We're going to push out one more (laughs) baby right now. Mm -hmm. And this is that launched our sister organization. It is a profit um, vehicle. It is called shop consciously. And what we do there, it literally was born out of women enabled enterprises and the goal, and I'm wearing the earrings, but the goal is that we upfront will purchase a collection of women's accessories, home goods, and we have what is a fair trade marketplace. Um, We've created an international platform for women to sell their products and The way that we're doing that is through an online boutique. And we tell the stories of these remarkable women who through, instead of, you know, I love myself some Target, um, but at the same time, I feel so much better. I feel so good knowing that I'm wearing a pair of earrings that guess what? The woman who made these, she has four kids. She lives in the ostrich capital of South Africa. And she told me that with our fall order for her earrings that we purchased, she was able to send all of her kids because in South Africa, you pay even for public schooling. Mm -hmm. She was able to send all of her kids pay for their school fees. Wow. So I feel good about that. Like I'm all about like feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, 
feel good gifts and feel good purchases where there's a story for every piece. Like I, you know, yes, the story. Yes. The connection. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that's so beautiful that that makes that, that much more meaningful. Cause like you said, we can find some earrings that we like anywhere, but, and, and especially, you know, with e-commerce, we can find earrings anywhere, right? but having something that has that personal touch and you know, mm. that an actual life was impacted mm. by your support. It's such a beautiful thing. And we, and that's a beautiful thing that we get to support causes through, you know, our checkbooks and, and we're able to, mm. um, you know, make that impact in the way that we do. So I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And so for those who don't know, um, Mo and I both are independent consultants for Arbonne. So talk about how um, Arbonne, how you came to Arbonne and how it has impacted what you do with your businesses. Oh, I love that you raised this (laughs) because so many people have a view about social marketing and I did too. Mm -hmm. I absolutely did. I just think for me, being inside of Arbonne now for five years, honestly, I don't know if I would be doing any of the things that I'm doing now if I hadn't taken the first leap to do Arbonne. And how it came into my life is I was working at one of those Fortune 500 companies and we were working out together with one of my good friends who also work, worked at corporate. And I just, you know, when she introduced me to this, I had this moment of not understanding why someone who had a successful corporate job would be an independent consultant. Because to me, success looked like having a regular business and being successful or having a nine to five and climbing the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. That was what like success was that. So I really did not see the opportunity when I didn't know very much. And I think what I'm every day, I thank God that I felt guilty and went to one of those meetings where (laughs) they tell you about it and everyone's like, I never want to go to one of those meetings. (laughs) And I went out of guilt and I am so glad every single day (laughs) that I did a friend a favor and I just went because Niamh, it was the start of everything for me. Five years ago, Arbonne helped me to see that people are creating wealth in different ways these days. And you either are a um, like recipient of it, like you're either a consumer of it or you're a consumer and are benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. You one way or the other, you fit into one of the categories. And I think I learned in that moment, I'm silly if I don't use this to build long-term wealth for myself as one of my avenues. Um, my dream was never to just only just do Arbon. 
And honestly, I, you know, you're raising an important piece here because I volunteered 10 years ago and I was wondering how on earth I'd ever get to start that nonprofit because guess what? The times that we live in are expensive. My husband and I had just started a family. We had our first child in 2014 and our second child in 2017. And life was only getting more and more expensive. Like we, we weren't creating more money to give back, you know, like we were just working hard to keep our lives the way that they were or to grow our lifestyle. And Arbonne to me was an avenue. It was like, whoa, okay. So I could still build my corporate career. I could possibly build this thing so that I can build my nonprofit. And to me, I was like, I'm in. Like, I'm sold. At the end of that meeting, I was like, I'm so sad it took me this long to realize what this could mean for me. (laughs) Um, And often people get it twisted. You know, they think, oh, is this has to be my end game? No, Mm -hmm. it is like the beginning game. It is whatever game you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like just you decide. You want to be a nomad? (laughs) Good for you. Do it, boo. You can do it with this, you know? Um, yeah, but that's like, that was my Arbon story. And Nehemiah, I am so grateful that that vehicle brought you into my life, that oh. vehicle and other vehicles as well. I'm so thankful too. And <laughs> it's so funny because like you said, you know, it's about options, you know, it, it gives us options. And like you said, you know, if we're not doing something else, we know that a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. So where's the additional money going to come from? Like when Mm -hmm. things all around us are going up, you know, and that's not to mention changing family dynamics and family situations. You know, what if somebody gets sick? What if you have an emergency? Like all of the unforeseen things that, you know, we suddenly need, we might need an infusion of cash for, Mm -hmm. or, you know, unless you have savings, which a lot of people don't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you just like keeping your fingers crossed and like praying, like, I remember days of like praying, like God, (laughs) you know, like just let me make it home. You know, I remember the the check engine light coming on in the car or like, you know, just different things like that. And, and, um, you know, where you just, you just pray for things to go smoothly and, or, you know, having gotten an infusion of money, let's say you get a lump sum at a certain time and then something comes up and you had planned to use the money for something else. And now you got to use it for that. And thank God you had it at the time, but it's like, dang it, that's not what I wanted to use this money for. Exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. It's like the safety net that everyone has to create. And it's almost, it's so difficult to create it in like consistent pay, you know? Like our consistent pay often just carries our um, lifestyle, even if you make wonderful decisions with your lifestyle. Um, I just feel like smart people have many avenues that they create wealth through. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and that's the, the, the thing is that the people who are the wealthiest, the people who are the most financially secure, they're not getting their money from just one place. And, you know, so it's like we, we have the same 24 hours in a day. And it's about, you know, as we think about co-creating the kind of life that we want to have, you know, um, we can choose what vehicles that will allow us to have the kind of life that we want to have. And to the point that we talked about earlier, you know, having your job be your principal investor, you know, having additional um, income from this business is another way to be able to fund things that you care so much about. Oh my goodness. Yes. You're speaking to my heart right there because, um, you know, when you talked about choice, uh, I love what you said, actually, I'm getting distracted, but I loved what you said about, um, your job being your principal investor. I think so many people learned the hard way in 2020 that that can be dangerous if that is your only avenue. Because at the end of the day, um, companies would, will do what's best for them. And we, um, uh, Women Enabled Enterprise, and we actually call ourselves WE. So everyone says WE, because it's W-E-E. Um, at WE, we have an alumni and she and her husband make these beautiful charcuterie boards. They're also at Shop Consciously. Um, and her husband lost his job immediately in the beginning of the pandemic and they have a little boy so you know for them it was kind of like situational poverty and many people have different kinds and we we will support women that have different all kinds of different you know some situational poverties are you know we had a woman who had left an abusive marriage you know people stay in abusive marriages to say stay sustained. So helping to create some like autonomy for women is, hey, if you can create your own income, they all of a sudden feel like, okay, I can provide for my child. Therefore I can leave a toxic marriage, you know? Um, but for Nolazi, um, her husband had lost her job. They had a little boy right in the beginning of the pandemic and it, there wasn't enough for them. You know, there just wasn't enough. And they both started making these wooden boards, these gorgeous charcuterie boards. And they just started selling them at markets, promoting them online, and they knew nothing about business. And I want to say it was two months after they started their business um, that, they, that she joined WE. And before the end of the year, she had secured a celebrity um, charcuterie private label um, endorsement. And he, they're currently working on getting into retail stores on his private label, um, like brand. So gosh, like (laughs) when you learn a lesson like that, and it's almost like the biggest gift, they're so thankful that happened Mm -hmm. because now they're talking about, and they never used to talk about things like this, but being the first in their, um, families to create generational wealth that's kind of amazing yeah a major paradigm shift yeah I love it I love it and it's like and that's such a 
one of the silver linings, I guess you can say, that happened to a lot of people during COVID was, you know, the sense of security that people may have thought they had. You know, some people knew that it was precarious. You know, others felt like they had some security and found out they weren't as secure as they thought. Um, and it just goes to show you whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a natural disaster, you know, it can be something so instantly that can just like turn everything around and, and it causes us to get creative, you know? And so creativity is one of the silver linings that has come out of this time. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So many silver linings. I just feel like, um, do you remember this time last year, 2020 vision, <laughs> everyone thought it would be a different kind of 2020 vision. But it oh gave gosh. us perspective. Yes. Let's be real. Yeah. It gave us some vision. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not what we thought it was going to be, but for sure. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely some, some vision that came out of that, but it's the beginning, you know, because we forget that it's the beginning of a decade, you know, that 2020 is not just a year. It's actually the beginning of a whole energetic decade oh time. So powerful. So, I got chills yeah <laughs> so just like other points in history where you know it's things started at a certain decade and it was that one year was pivotal but it's this whole journey you know then it's not just the one point in time so yeah wow yeah oh my god I could just keep talking to you forever but <laughs> In the interest of time, um, tell everybody where they can follow you, how they can support your business if they want to donate, where they can shop, all of those good things. And, and all of this will be linked in the show notes, by the way. Oh, thank you so much for an opportunity to do that, Niema. So um, our nonprofit, Women Enabled Enterprises, we have a website. It's exactly those words, www.womenenabledenterprises.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook as Women Enabled Enterprises, as well as on Instagram as Women Enabled Enterprises. Awesome. Um, and then for shop, oh, the way that we really could use support, um, if you work in any specific area or if you're an entrepreneur, um, we are always looking for generous people with their time. Um, we love it when we can get people who come in as guest speakers who know a certain skill set. Like you have a gifting of some kind. You yourself have started a business um, in some industry. We'd love for you to come and share your journey. So definitely go to our website and um, there's a way to sign up as someone who would like to be a partner or a volunteer. Um, that would be remarkable because these amazing women love seeing themselves in other successful people. Mm -hmm. So that is one big way that you could support us. Another big way that you would support us is if you look on our website for something called The Lift, uh, we just started a um, subscription program that basically says, give up one of your cup of coffees in a day and support us. And what it actually does, it's, it supports one woman through the program um, in one year. So 
you can partner with us in that way and you'll get to see some of these stories. Um, you can look all of that up on www.womenenabledenterprises slash um, the lift, L-I-F-T. And then for Shop Consciously, it's our amazing fair trade brand. Uh, we have all kinds of remarkable accessories on there and home goods. Um, you can shop on that link at www.shopconsciously.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook as Shop Consciously. And then on Instagram as shop underscore consciously underscore. So that one's a bit tricky, but um, there are so many amazing ways that you can um, not just like, you know, not even just think about it as support, but gosh, just find different ways to give people something that's meaningful, that's more meaningful that sometimes how than sometimes how we currently give gifts. Mm -hmm. um, and even if you don't go and support our brand, go, there are so many other amazing brands that are doing the same work. Um, and I'll name some of my favorites. Um, I love Noonday Collection. It's actually a social marketing uh, company. They are amazing. They work with artisans in South America, mm -hmm. in India, in Africa. Um, and they tell those stories so well. There's another brand called Fair Anita go and follow them. The work that they're doing is just as remarkable, if not better. Wow. I appreciate that. That is so awesome and so generous of you to share that information and that spotlight with others. So I'm just so, so thankful that we had the chance to meet and for our past to cross in the made to do this orbit, in the Arbonne orbit, and just I wish you all the best with regard to your businesses. I'm going to go and shop on <laughs> shop consciously myself. Um, the earrings that she has y'all are beautiful and I love jewelry. So I'm definitely going to go and do my part to support. And um, again, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Mo. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a gift. Thank you, Niamh. Wow, what an amazing conversation. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope that you enjoyed listening as well. So here are some takeaways. Number one, when you empower a woman, you empower a community. The ripple effects are unimaginable and limitless. Number two, hold up the mirror. If you see gifts in others, tell them. And also be open to noticing your own gifts and shining a spotlight on them. Number three, we invest in the things that we care about. So if you've supported a cause in the past, Consider doing so again and again, rather than just as a one-off contribution. So, as always, if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, do me a favor. 
share it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so, so that you can be notified when new episodes come out. You can also take a screenshot and post it on your social media and tag me and Mo, and I will be sure to give you a shout out. And also, you can write a positive review about the podcast because it helps others to find the podcast. And lastly, you can become a monthly contributing supporter at any monetary amount that feels aligned for you. So I know that you have many choices when it comes to podcasts. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this one. As always, I wish you peace and love and have a beautiful and blessed day.